Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 16th episode of Deep Dive. I'm Rudy Rosica. I'm a senior here at Syracuse University studying health and exercise science on the pre-physical therapy track. Today, I have with me a couple of veterans to celebrate Veterans Day. We're going to talk about our life experiences in the military, what brought us here, and what we're doing now. So I'll just start first with DePrimo. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah. Uh, Matthew DePrimo. I'm a second-year master's student here at Syracuse University. Uh, one of the assistant coaches for the rugby team. And uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a U.S. Army veteran. I was uh, stationed at Fort Drum with the 10th Mountain Division and uh, combat deployment to Afghanistan, among probably a lot of other things. But I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. Cool. So next up, uh, Cliff. Yes, hello. I'm uh, Cliff in Washington, a second-year student or graduate student at Maxwell School of Citizenship and Public Service. Uh, double major in international relations and uh, public affairs. Awesome. Uh, Army's veteran. Um, started off uh, National Guard. Uh, one deployment to Jordan, and which I believe my wrist at. We'll probably get into that a little bit later. But that's the and then for the first time in this podcast, we have someone calling in via Bluetooth, and it's Professor Walker, a chemistry professor on campus, at Syracuse University. Can you please introduce yourself? Of course. My pleasure. Thanks for the introduction. Uh, we're all veterans here. You can just call me by my, uh, my my real person name, Ted. So my name is Ted Walker. I am a professor in chemical engineering here at Syracuse University. I started last fall and uh, I it was in a former life. I was in the second Ranger Battalion from 2007 to 2012. Fantastic. Uh, thank you. So I'll start off. The first question is... Uh, why did you join the military? What did you do? And why did you separate? We'll start off with uh, this time, go Cliff. Um, uh, interesting story here. Uh, I never really planned on joining the military uh, straight out of high school. Um, initially, I planned on going straight to, to university. Um, but I had this persistent recruiter. I kept calling and coming to my house. Um, and I kept telling him, hey, man, I'm going to school. I'm going to school. And then one day he uh, posed this question um, that had me uh, change my mind instantly. He asked me, um, how was I paying for it? Mm. And, I, and I didn't have an answer. That's a tough ass question. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tough. Yeah. Uh, especially because I come from like a working class family who put like zero dollars and zero cents away from my uh, away from my education. So literally, I think the next day. He was at my house and I was signing enlistment papers. <laughs> so that's 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 my story. Um, obviously, I enjoyed my time in the service. Um, probably the best thing I've done. But I'm going to be honest. That's that's the the real initial reason why I, I enlisted in the service. So why did you separate? Oh, separation. That's um, on my deployment. I uh, we were patrolling with the Jordanians on the Syrian border and walking on a ridge line. Uh, rock kind of broke off with me on it, and I kind of blew my wrist out. Um, got medevaced out, did like a year's worth of rehab, a little over a year, and had some surgery. And um, it was that's pretty much kaputs for that. Um, Cliff said it pretty nonchalantly, but it's a big deal because that happened years ago, and your wrist is still not nowhere near 100%. It's like no. 70 ish, would you say? No, I, I still never really gained full use of my my wrist back um i still continue to go under under our rehab like once a week um and it's it's interesting my story back to 
to education and coming back to Syracuse or coming to Syracuse University um, was because I was working in, as an auditor. And with the, 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 there's like no range of motion with my wrist and there's no cartilage from my fingers back to my wrist. Mm. So it's bone on bone. And the, that typing motion action in, uh, in Excel was too much. And I was ending up in the, the, re, like the ER at least four to five times a month. And the chief of the ER finally came to me and she stated, like, hey, I know you love your job, but it's time for you to find a new career. You just can't keep coming in here, you know, once a week for steroid injections and, and for pain pills. So I began the long process of um, figuring out what I wanted to do, hmm. you know, because I was set in my career. I loved my career. Um, and, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting a little deep into it right now, but um, I never really thought I was like smart. Mm-hmm. So like, I never really thought grad school was for me in general. So there's a whole process of, you know, talking to the therapist, like, Hey Cliff, you're smart. You can do it. You can take the GRE. So like, it took like a lot, a lot of time for me to reprogram myself to, to go back to school. Um, and and here I am, like one of the best programs. I'm at Maxwell, one of the best programs in, in the country. I did an internship at the State Department over the summer, and like it's full of Max grads and Maxwell students or Maxwell graduates. So, like, um, maybe it's God's plan. Like, we'll 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 see. Uh, and that's amazing. And uh, definitely improve your smart enough. You're here. You're right. doing really oh, yeah. good in life. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, uh, Matt, like same question. Like, why did you go in, and why did you separate? Yeah, I'm trying to keep it brief, but coming out of high school, I was toying with the uh, idea of enlisting. And I had a couple of my buddies who all enlisted into different branches. Um, One of my buddies ended up going into the Marine Corps. I was toying with going into the Corps for a little while. Um, But, you know, I still wasn't 100% sold on, on... their values and their ethics and everything. They, you know, you hear, you're like, these guys are ruthless, you know, always doing, and you're like, ah, maybe, I don't know. Like you're still hemming and hawing. And I feel like if you're, if you're questioning it, you shouldn't do it. And that's with right anything. On. Right on. Right. So I held off and I was like, all right, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna enlist. And then one of my other buddies in my friend groups, you know, comes rolling along and says, you know, I'm going to join the air force. I'm going into the air force. And again, you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe the Air Force would be cool, like go in and, and, you know, be involved with, you know, being on a plane or being part of a flight crew or whatever it may be, right? And and then you think about it, you're like, I don't know, you know that's really where I want to go and, and the, the type of job, what, is, what's, what am I going to do once I get out, you know? Right. So I, uh, I just said, now, you know what, forget it. My dad said, he was a, he's a 14-year veteran himself. Um, so my, my, of the United States army. And my father was like, well, why don't you just go to school, go to college, you know, get your degree. And then once you graduate, you can make a decision on what you want to do. You know, there'll be another opportunity available to you. Now you could also become an officer. So you can enlist, be an officer. You can, you know, stay in the civilian world, whatever it may be. So I went fast forward, graduated from my undergrad at Penn state university, um, got a job as an internal investigator working for like TJ Maxx, Marshall's home goods, and um, basically playing undercover boss, you know, putting hidden cameras inside of uh, uh, the big Connex containers as they would come into the yard so that we would get, 
you know, visuals on people like digging through packages and trying to steal, wow. you know, a lot of loss prevention type of stuff. And then auditing. Yeah. I know they did. No, I didn't did that. Oh yeah. There's a lot of stuff that people don't know that anyone does. Right. I don't know if they do it anymore. Who knows? A little more crude methodologies back then. Right. So, um, you know, I was working that job for a little bit and it was fun. It was, it was a good pay after you get out of college, good starting gig. They put me into a team leader position. So it's like, I already was, you know, getting used to managing a little bit. I was like, yeah, this is fun. This is cool. Like I, I can do this for a little bit. I don't know if this is going to be my profession, right. you know? Um, and some, sometimes in these warehouses, you have some, some pretty, you know, large in stature people, right. Who, who may or may not have, uh, a history. Um, and I had, uh, a very petite woman on my team. Um, and when I say petite, I mean, she was like 4'11", like maybe, oh wow, you know, very, very, like maybe like a hundred pounds soaking wet. Like she was, you know, a smaller person. And, uh, I was in the camera room one day and I just hear a, a curdling, blood curdling scream. Wow. And, and I'm like immediately sprung to action, hopped up, ran out of the room. And what in my mind, because some of these positions on the team are known about, you know, they're not an undercover type of a position. So like they pat these people down as they're coming out of the warehouses every single day to make sure that they don't have anything on them. Right. Right. So I'm thinking like, what, did she try to pat someone down there and they're roughing her up? Cause she was on shift to do that. Yeah. And I hear the scream. So I come running out of the control room and, and what do I meet? But uh, a gentleman laying face down on the ground, unconscious. And growing up, you know, I was always around water, lifeguarding, you know, held lifeguarding jobs and everything. So I, you know, knew CPR and knew to just like get into it. Right. Yeah. So I, I flipped the guy over, cut his shirt open, send one person off to go call 911, another person off to go get a defibrillator, you know, start throwing rescue breaths into him. After I checked for his pulse, no breath, no rising of his chest. I'm like, this guy's, he's gone. Wow. So almost 10 minutes later, the paramedics finally show up. Now, at what point in time in there was his uh, heart restored? I don't know. But when the paramedics showed up, they put their good equipment on them, their good right. defibrillator, the good airbag, you know, for, for oxygen. And um, after a couple checks, the guy gets a faint pulse, is red. So we got him up onto the gurney, ran him out the front door, threw him in an ambulance, off he went, right? Yeah. Couple couple weeks later, I get called into a CEO meeting Same for that guy, company, like, and and this is two weeks later, and I'm 22 years old, maybe 23 years old at this point. So I'm I'm not even thinking about what just happened two weeks ago, right? And I and I got these uh, these big wigs of this company looking looking at me from across a boardroom table, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm getting fired. Like <laughs> I don't know what it's for, but I'm getting fired. Like this can't be good. Why are you getting called in here, right? And they, uh, they thanked me and they were like, you know, we, we've contacted the family and everything and, and the gentleman survived. And uh, they gave me a bunch of uh, gift cards for their stores. And you guys chuckle because you know exactly where I go with this is like, to me, I like, you know, maybe a little cynical minded. Um, it was a kind gesture of them to do that for me. But in my head at that point in time, maybe at that age, I was like, is this all this man's life is worth? And I immediately went home to my father that night and told him, 
you know, I'm not waiting any longer. I want to join the United States Army. And he took me down to a recruiter. I signed my papers and I was uh, uh, 09 Sierra, which is an officer candidate. So you go to basic training, you know, you go through your infantry basic. I went down to Fort Benning because then if you fail out of basic, you know, you're gone. You don't go to OCS to see if you can hack it, you know? So, yeah. But then if you graduate basic and you don't hack it at OCS, your you're needs at the army, they make you enlist. <laughs> oh, and man. at least you're already yeah. done with your training, yeah, they, right? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I went in and I graduated basic, graduated OCS. They branched me. And then I went off to my branch school um, after graduating from that, was stationed uh, before drum at the 10th Mountain Division. And then that kind of leads me to where why i got out right so um you know i had a great time uh as my pl time first and second lieutenant ranks were great uh then we you know i was a hard charger i felt like i always had to prove myself to everybody around me that like i deserved to be you know thought after as as like a good soldier as a as a pt stud as like you know whatever great leader he's strong he's fit he's a great shot like so in my mind, I'm like, I got to make this happen because right. at Bullock, they branched me signal. And I, I didn't know IT. I didn't know satellite communications, radio communication. I didn't know any of that. And, and uh, they saw my degree from, from Penn State was uh, rhetorical analysis and theory, which is a communications-based degree. So they said, oh, it's a commo degree. We're going to make him a commo officer. I see. You know what I mean? So I went to my unit already with this mentality of like, dang, like I'm signal, like, isn't that the, you know, branch people tease? Cause it's like, you know, the signaliers is like, yeah, you know, crazy. but, and then the signaliers kick back at them and they do say it kind of corny, but it, but it, it still has the same respect and it's, you know, you can talk about us, but you can't talk without us. And that's a fact. That's a fact. And that's a fact. Um, but yeah, so, so I was, I had this point I had to prove. So I was always hard charging the guy in the front in the rocks, you know, the guy volunteering to, you know, do competitions and fitness stuff and led the PT and all that, you know. So to me, it was like, all right, I got to do this. I got to do this. Um, and then the deployment came along uh, to Afghanistan and, and, you know, we didn't know who was going to stay, who was going to go, what was going on. But I remember I went up to my company commander and I said, sir, I don't care what I have to do. I'll be somebody's RTO. You know, put put me in as the battalion commander, brigade commander's RTO. I said, I don't care. Right. And, uh, you know, the battalion commander at the time was pretty hard charger himself. And he respected that. And he was like, all right, if you want to go, you're going. Right. Little did I know what would ensue once I, <laughs> once I got there. But, um, you know, I, I got out on the deployment, everything. My body physically on the outside looked great you know, looked great, but mentally, or I guess internally <laughs> is a, a different story talking like bones and everything. Yeah. Right? right. Because I, I get into this deployment and the constant, uh, wearing of like rucks and kit and helmets and running everywhere, you know, always getting pounding on my body and everything. And then, um, you know, it just really started eating away at me and, I ended up suffering uh, from something called radiculopathy, um, and that's basically nerves got crushed in my uh, in my spinal cord, 
And now, so then now my hands will go numb and all this other nonsense. So, um, but then I also have a, a herniated disc, two bulging discs. Like my body just started falling apart. And it's like, you know, it was, it was, it was so bad because you're just like, man, all I was trying to do was be the best that I could be. Right. All I was trying to do was, was train as hard as I could so that people can rely on me so that I could be there to support and defend. Right. right. <laughs> but, right. but in all seriousness, no, to, to, to do what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And, uh, it just, you know, the mental me was, was there, but the physical me was not able to. And then, um, along with some other stuff that happened while I was overseas and I'll just leave it at that. By the time I came back, um, big army was trying to send me off to my new command as a captain and, uh, local army was trying to med board me out uh-huh. <laughs> and, they, and they weren't talking to one another. Go yeah. figure. Right. <laughs> so, um, they eventually, you know, went through all my medical stuff and they were like, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to go through with the med board. Um, so they looked at everything and then once it was decided upon, you know, percentages were given and, uh, I was sent out. I mean, thankfully, and I will say that the United States military does try to take care of people the best that they can. Cause I know a lot of people give them, give them a lot of smack about it, but, uh, you know, I was, I was able to have healthcare benefits and, and, uh, some compensation to try and help you, you know, with your transition and, and getting on with your next part of your life. But, uh, yeah, I, I can go on and on forever. I'll, I'll stop it there and pass it over. Well, uh, thank you for all that. Um, Ted, if you want to tell us uh, what brought you to the Army and uh, what made you separate? Sure, I'll take a stab at it. Well, if you were to ask me, my, I could tell you what happened when I went to the Army, and I'll say a little bit about that, I suppose. Mm. But if you were to ask me why, my answer will change from year to year maybe even week to week. And I suppose that's because at the time I joined, there was just a lot going on. Um, you know, 2001, you know, 9-11 was my freshman year of high school. And I lived in a small town with a pretty robust pipeline. Uh, for us, it was the Marines. A lot of my high school buddies went into the Marines. And at the end of the day, whatever reasons I feel like I have right now or that I had, I think I just got swept up in something bigger than myself. Mm. And I'm listening to the, uh, you know, these other stories, uh, that are being shared. And it, it sounds like many of us had that same experience. Uh, we just sort of felt the calling that we could not resist. And. At the time, I made this decision, and believe it or not, I was a music student. I was going to be a classical musician. Wow. I was going to play the clarinet wow. in pit orchestras Love that. in operas. Uh, for whatever reason, I thought that's what I was going to do with my life. And I realized, fortunately for myself and for the music-loving world, that I had no business doing that very early <laughs> on. I, I, I simply didn't have the raw talent. And... Uh, so like any well-adjusted 18-year-old guy, I handled it super well. And I said, oh, fine, I'll go to war then. <laughs> uh, 
and so I came home and uh, and I told my family that I was going to join the Marines too, just like a number of my friends did. And uh, it, it was an abrupt change, and they were dubious, they were morose uh, because I wanted to join the infantry, and uh, they just didn't understand that there were no active duty military service members anywhere in my family at wow. the time. Uh, the way. Going going back to World War II, that was the that was the most recent, wow. and uh, and uh, there was a lot of you know, there, there was a lot of confusion and pain and anxiety around my decision. And, uh, and yeah, I responded to that. And so, um, while I ultimately did decide to, you know, to, to join the army, um, I did acquiesce in one respect. They said, why don't you take a year, try some other things. There's plenty of opportunities to put yourself in harm's way and, you know, serve a higher purpose and help others without joining the military. It's an awfully you know, this, this is a snap decision. It's clearly emotional. Why don't you think? Why don't you dwell on it? So I did. And uh, you know, I lived in a trailer park because I dropped out of college. And I worked fast food jobs, uh, Subway and Little Caesars and things like that. And could, you know, barely make ends meet. Uh, I dabbled with some community college to uh, ex- explore other majors. I uh, tried being a volunteer firefighter. I tried being a wildland firefighter. I was an EMT. Oh. And at the end of the year, my yeah, I, I didn't have a career at any of these things. You know, I just, these were volunteer positions, so I, I just tried them out. Uh, and at the end of the year, uh, I told my family, "Well, you're right. Um, a year does make a difference, and I do feel quite a bit better, and uh, I do feel quite a bit differently, and I, I've changed my mind." He said, "That's great. Uh, we're glad to hear it. What are you going to do now?" Said, well, I'm not going to join the Marines. I'm going to be an Army Ranger. What that like? Well, you know, uh, what what is, what is that, and why why that now? And it's well because when uh, for your suggestion, I uh, I was on a wildland firefighting crew. I met a former army ranger, mm-hmm. and he said, "Well, if you're interested in being infantry and you think you want to go marines because you want to have some excitement in your life and you want to see action, then you should be a ranger instead because you get to be airborne." And I guarantee you, <laughs> you, you will get far more action and excitement and adventure than you ever bargained for. And so I decided to do that. Um, again, not really thinking twice about it, sort of just had, you know, I, I'd made up my mind. And I, I think everyone here understands when you, there's the, there, there, that, that call is irresistible. Um, once you get it in your mind that that's something you have to do with your life, it's, it, it, it takes nothing less than an act of God usually uh, to, to take you out of it or to steer or to divert you from it. So that's why I joined. Um, I, I, it was simply a calling at the end of the day. And uh, it was something I felt I needed to do. Why did I get out? Um, so at the time I got out, I had spent two years as a 40 millimeter recordless rifle gunner and three years as a line team leader. I was an 11 Bravo and um, I'd racked up. I, I, I don't have records to allow me to count count it, but um, it was Ranger Regiment. So the out tempo was pretty intense. It was four to six months overseas, yep. six months back home, and that was all training uh, and entropy, uh for five years. And so I'd racked up several hundred at least uh, combat missions, although on the vast, vast majority of those, nothing happened at all. Uh, but I had done enough and I'd seen enough to be able to start assessing my own strengths and weaknesses critically and honestly, right? And at the time I was an uh, E5, I had a team, and the next step for me would have been to take a squad. Mm-hmm. And when I 
told my leadership that I was going to let my contract expire and I was going to ETS. They, of course, tried to change my mind because by that point, they've invested quite a lot in you and you've gotten pretty close with them and uh, they, you know, it would be hard to replace you. And uh, this, you know, they told me what would come next and uh, how much better uh, my life would be, etc. cetera. Uh, and at the time I told them, I think they thought it was a cop-out. So if, any, if they ever hear this, I hope they, uh, in retrospect, realize that in 10 plus years, however long it's been, <laughs> I haven't done the math in a while, uh, my story hasn't changed. I still feel this way. I said, look, there are a few things I simply am not good enough at. Um, and one of them is my sense of direction. Um, I, the only reason I get away with the job that I have is because I am below a certain threshold level of responsibility. But um, I honestly feel that, you know, I, I'm, I don't know that I would be able to lead a squad. I, I care too much about the people that I'm with, and I don't know that I have that in me. I may have, you know, I have the commitment and I have the drive, but I don't know that I have, my brain works that way. Um, and I'm afraid that I'm, it, it wouldn't go well, and I'll get someone hurt or worse. Wow. And um, all of the alternatives are sort of unthinkable to me because also at that time, uh, the Ranger Regiment's op tempo was um, starting to simmer down a little bit and it was starting to become less active in the theater. And so you know, I came there to fight the war. And in my, in my estimation, the war was maybe cooling down a little bit. And I felt much the same way I did when I went into the military. I felt like there was something else that I had to do. And um, I had a plan, which was to go back to school and to be an engineer. I didn't think it through much more than that, but uh, I, I did feel compelled, and um, yeah, I was very grateful for the experiences that I'd had in the military, and I'd gotten there, it, in particular into the job that I had, and you know, into the uh, onto the team that I was with by following my instincts. And so I decided to trust my instincts uh, again, and I let my contract expire, and I went back to school. Wow! Wow, that's an interesting story. Way to keep it real. Yeah. Yeah, you're a very humble man. I commend you for that, for sure. Well, the, the experience humbles you, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I hear that in all your voices, too. The, um, I, I would hope that anyone who spends um, that much time, again, being part of something so much larger than yourself, uh, where you are not only told, but you have to live the reality every mm -hmm. single day, that this is not about me, um, as, then... If you don't walk away with that, if you don't walk away from that experience with uh, a, a, you know, a very deep sense of humility, um, then well, I, I, I just would, I, I wouldn't understand that. <laughs> what we felt we were trying to do, and what we, how we feel about it now, looking back, uh, we did we did very different things. But uh, uh, I'm very grateful. I'm going to start waxing sentimental here and uh, suck out all the oxygen out of the room. So I'll just say that I'm very, I, I'll say this in brief. Um, the veteran community at Syracuse University was not necessarily a draw for me because I didn't know that it was here. Mm. Um, and the reason I didn't know it was here is because the faculty job market in particular is completely oversubscribed. Uh, you have a, just a ridiculous number of candidates for every open position. And so in that ecosystem, mm. if you're serious about landing a job, you cast a very wide net and you don't look too closely. You simply ask, would I work at this place if an offer was made? And if the answer is yes, you put your best foot forward 
and you don't think it through any further than that until you have the offers in hand. And it was only after I arrived, very shortly after I arrived, that um, you know, I was pulled into uh, this very robust, this very strong, and this very um, time-honored community that we have here at the university that, to my knowledge, is not really replicated elsewhere not not in not in the, in, in the way that we uh that we have here at Syracuse so uh, it's, it's an honor to be here and uh it's great to meet all of you yeah I think Thank you. I think a lot of the other universities are getting there um some better in some places than others um but I think Syracuse just does such an excellent job and a well-rounded scale yeah. you know they they have they have something going on in, in every aspect of it that that really drives it so when you when you do come to syracuse it's it's not an if it's a when yeah it, it really is you know such a fantastic university um you you really are just immersed with so much welcomeness from the veteran community from the faculty the staff you know just in general right. you know as a student coming onto campus that's just how i felt because for the first, I don't even know, maybe, maybe first semester, right? I, I believe it was the fall semester when I, I started my master's program. I, I didn't even know we had a student veteran organization either. And, and I, I, would, I didn't check any emails. I didn't come to any of the meetings. I didn't go to any of the events, nothing like that. And, um, you know, I, I slowly started maybe running into a, a couple, you know, service members here and there, different branches. And, eventually just came to a meeting and and it all just kind of took off from there but yeah they they really do i i can't say it enough they're a fantastic university that's a good lead way to so our next question is yeah like, you know post-military like what plans do you have and is that plan still the same let's start off with you to primo <sighs> um no no this is not what i was planning uh but this is what happened and i think clifton said it earlier like sometimes it's just like this is, it's like an act of god like it, exactly. you can't you can't control it you just gotta you're on the ride you just gotta put your hands up and enjoy it right you know what i mean this it's a roller coaster but it's a ride nevertheless um yeah I, I was trying to figure out like what am i going to do in my pcsing or are they going to med board me out like where where am i going to go what am i going to do and all the while i met my now wife and we started, uh, we started dating, we started talking, eventually we got engaged and we were deciding, you know, when are we going to have the wedding? Where are we going to have the wedding? Um, and I, it, <laughs> I felt so bad for her, but she was getting just a taste of that military life. And I'm sure other spouses and, and you know, kids could, could understand this, but you're like, I, I don't know yet. I don't, right. I don't know where I'm going yet. I don't know <laughs> um, when I'm going uh, I don't know if maybe if I'm even going, I might just be staying right here. Like who knows where I'll be. How long were you in limbo of like knowing you're separate or knowing you might go to an station? Like how long was that? Like a year. Oh, that's a long time. Like a year. Yeah. Um, and where were you physically during this time? I was back in the States and, uh, I got back and they moved me into a um, a battalion S six OIC position, officer in charge position. You're you're just the signal, or not just the. You are the 
signal liaison for um, satellite, radio, you know, all things uh, communications-wise to the battalion commander and uh, helping out with all the other commo chiefs that are at all the other uh, companies throughout the battalion, just trying to make sure everyone's good to go. So they moved me into that position and I was kind of digging it for a little while, you know, this is a cool spot. And then, um, you know, the process all started. And then it felt like the unit was like, well, hey, we're gearing up to go on another deployment. You know, we need our S6 is going to be able to go on the deployment with us, you know, which is very fair. Right. And they, they actually moved me up to a higher position. They put me up at brigade to be the uh, AS6, so the assistant to the, the S6 OIC, but at a higher echelon. Right. Um, and with that gentleman deploying with the brigade, that would leave me in the rear as uh, the, the S6 for the brigade while they were gone. So, you know, in a way, it kind of set me up for more success for once I got out of the military um, because I didn't know what I was going to do. And when they told me, hey, yeah, you're, you know, you're, you're getting med boarded, they, I was like, oh, here we go. And uh, you're playing pickup sticks real fast, trying to put your life together. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Um, my, at the time, she was still my fiance, but my wife now and I were, were house hunting for months um, in probably the worst housing market that we've had in, in quite some time, a few years here now. <laughs> and then I was applying to jobs and I was applying to university because I knew Coming out, I knew if I got a job and it was a good paying job, regardless of having my GI Bill, and because I went OCS as an officer, I got to come out with my full GI Bill. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to, if I don't go to school now, I'll, I'll probably never go back. Right. Yeah. You know, I'll probably just keep moving forward, figure out a degree field, maybe pick up some certification T and move on with my life. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my wife just got a new job. In the area here in Syracuse, I didn't want to pull her away from a job that she wanted because I, I saw so many other marriages fail while I was in the military um, because of things like that. Right. And I said, you know what? No, that she's making moves and doing great things in her life. Who am I to, to come in and, and, you know, start guiding her life in a direction when I don't even know where I'm supposed to go yet? Um, so I put in for Syracuse into their master's program here in the iSchool. And uh, I was accepted to that and just kind of kept rolling from there. Yeah. Awesome, man. It's cool. It all worked out. No, yeah. Uh, it really here. does. I, I beat orange. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cliff? Yeah. So I had a kind of an interesting like road to actually get to Syracuse. And I'm still obviously on that road to, to get to the career that I'm, I'm trying to get to. Um, when I, the doctor delivered that news and I, you know, was brainstorming with my, you know, the mental health team and a sort of like what I'd be doing for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I had to stop working. Um, they were cool enough to put me on as a, a part-time consultant. So I basically, I got paid for like what I did mm -hmm. and it was a pretty generous amount of money that they were hourly salary they were giving me. Um, and at the time, I was, like, living in, in Dallas, Texas with my brother. Because, um, you know, like, you, you want to move back with someone, you know, and plus I kind of still needed help. 
Mm. So my hand was still like really messed up. Um, so, you know, he said that he was getting a new job in the area. Our lease was coming to an end. You know, I told him I was looking at grad school. I didn't really know where or what I was doing. So he moved on to get his own apartment. And I kind of just like just went off the grid. I like moved to South America. Wow. Yeah. It was like during COVID and I just took off. Uh, bought a one-way ticket to Colombia <laughs> <laughs> and moved to Cartagena. Um, what and was like, yeah. And I, you know, my Spanish was not so great. And, um, you know, I'm not living, I live pretty close to the tourist destinations and like right on the beach, but not where people spoke English. So like no one spoke like a word of English. And I'm walking down there, you know, and I'm picking, you know, Spanish up on the fly. And it got to the point to where, like, I took, like, like uh, Spanish lessons, like, online with a Spanish whaling girl. And I, I kind of <laughs> picked it up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I spent a a year down there, like, you know, consulting. And, like, with my, put my ruck on. And I'd, like, walk in the jungle, find somewhere, you know, that somebody had internet via satellite. And I'd knock out some reports. And I'd, you know, head back out in the world. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I love this. so. I went from Colombia and then I like moved to, to Ecuador and I was staying in Quito, um, which is like a pretty dangerous, well, re- reverse to Colombia. Like it's, it's pretty dangerous out there. I've had to, like a dude pull a gun on me out there. Like, like, <laughs> like literally like a Western, like where they have when like three people have a gun on each other. Like, uh, Oh, the old Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, no. So like got the dude that's trying to rob me. <laughs> with his gun out and then i got a security guard that i'm standing behind <laughs> and then you got like another security guard across the street with his gun out and everybody's yelling at each other and i'm like Smokes. you know and i'm sitting there like wow this is crazy <laughs> 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 like and i'm like what is going on like what is like literally what's going on in my life um so i mean i got out of that situation Good. Like, a couple of weeks later i moved to uh to Ecuador, which is like an even shadier spot. So in in Spanish, there's a word uh, peligro, you know, and they say peligroso. So like I initially thought that peligroso meant pollution, you know, because we're driving through the cities of Quito and like the buses there blow out black cloud to smoke. And the guy would always tell me to roll up the window as peligroso, you know. And, or, you know, and I walk down like an alley, you know, and the lady be like, no, 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 it's Peligroso. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of pollution in the alley. <laughs> a lot of, so, you know, one day I'm like, you know, I end up traveling to the, the Galapagos Islands, which I didn't know was in Ecuador. I kind of figured that out like on the fly. Mm. Um, and I see, I see a sign that says Peligro. And you know, there's like, you know, and underneath it, it says danger. <laughs> <laughs> So I, the entire time living out there, I thought Peligroso meant pollution, but they were telling me, like, it's dangerous. Do not go down there. And I'd be like, i stick my two thumbs. I'd be like, esa bien, <laughs> <laughs> And they'd be shaking their heads. Um, so, yeah. So I, 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 I muddled around South America, ended up in, uh, the last spot was in Peru. And I, you know, did the trek from... Um, Cusco to Machu Picchu, which you have to climb over the Andes Mountains. Wow. You know, the, then you slog through the jungle, 
you know, like knee-high mud with your ruck on, you're carrying your life on your back. And then, like, as I'm going through this, like, I'm walking on the trail and I'm like, hey, I'm like, those look like Puma tracks. I'm like, all right, cool. No. And I'm walking, wow, those are even bigger Puma tracks. Wow. And then it got to the point where, like, those are fresh Puma tracks. Like, <laughs> oh, I go, no. So I keep walking and I turn the corner of this trail and I see something jump into the bushes. I'm like, what is that? You know? So I look into the bushes and sure enough, there's this Puma looking dead at me. <laughs> like, eye to eye. And I'm like, oh, God. And at this point, you know, I've been slogging through this jungle for like days. So I'm, I'm like, I just, if this thing jumped on me, I just do not have the power to fight it off. Mm. So, you know, I'm, I'm getting big. I'm slamming my trek poles in the ground. I'm like, ah, get away, get away. And I got the point to where like, man, like if it kills me, I don't care. <laughs> like I, I am so exhausted. Like I just don't care. And then like my only thought was like, okay, like if I get killed, I want to make sure it at least kills me on the trail. Mm. So, like, my parents could find my body. I'm like, is it, <laughs> wow. Like, yeah, 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 like, yeah. Yeah. So, like, eventually I just walked away and, like, never pursued. But, yeah, like, thank God I'm still here, right? Wow. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I finished this journey up, you know. Um, and, like, while I'm over there, you know, I'm applying to, to grad programs and, and whatnot. And um, I get accepted to Syracuse University. And, um you know, I, I've never been to Syracuse, never knew what Syracuse was. Like, I just knew we had a great program. Mm. And I get out here, and um, I think as Ted was saying, um, like, he wasn't sure if they, what type of veterans community was here. Like, I had no idea. Like, I was, I showed up a week late. I missed the entire first week, and I never went to orientation. So I arrive on campus, and I'm talking to people. Like, oh, do you, there's a veteran center. I'm like, there's a veteran center here. Like, what? They pointed out. So I walk in the building and I'm like looking around at this stuff. Well, that's pretty cool, you know? And I, you know, go in there. I talk to Chad. He's like, hey, I'm like, hey, I'm a, a veteran here. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Let's go ahead and hang out in the lounge. I'm like, so yeah, rub your card in the lounge. You know, they'll open it up. I'm like, yeah, mine doesn't work. <laughs> and he's like, are you on the, are you in the system? I'm like, no, nah, I didn't even know you guys were here. Mm-hmm. So and that's when I kind of got brought within, you know, the, the Syracuse veteran community, which is was awesome, by the way. Like there was yeah. one in my undergrad at, at Eastern and another one at Robert Morris, but like it wasn't the same. You know what I mean? It was like if you didn't, you know what I mean? Like no, I'm not knocking this, but it was dudes, you know, walking around the university with their boots on, their dog tags, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of good on that a little bit. Yeah, you know, like I'm, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I'm a chapter out. of her life. Yeah, you know, yeah. like yeah, cause, you know. Yeah. Close that book. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it just right now, just moving forward and thinking about like where exactly I want to go per se. Um, post military, I'd like to get in the State Department and mm. the the resources that are that the Veterans Center actually puts out through uh, Jen Pluta. Shout out to her. Um, she brought up a program called the WRP program for us. Uh, for people with like disabilities to help them get into the the federal government. Wow. Um, and I had my internship at the uh, State Department in DC over the summer. And it was like the most intense, I think, like job I've had. Like, it's like Cliff, you don't, we're gonna put you on semiconductors. I don't know anything about semiconductors. Well, we're gonna send you to a few seminars around the city, and you know, you're gonna be 
the lead drafter of the congressional paper. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're the lead drafter and you're going to coordinate with, you know, different um, agencies and departments, you know, like with commerce, USTR. Yeah. And you're going to, you're going to lead that wow. for, for, for state. Wow. And, and I'm like, you know, and this is like, like day, like a week one. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just, I'm still, I don't even know where, how to get out the building yet. Yeah. You know? So it was an excellent opportunity. The paper was a success. Learned so much. Met ambassadors, Mexican congressmen. Um, and I, that's the kind of the, the, the career path that I'm looking forward to. Um, and as of now, um, there's also the option of, of law school. You know, I've talked with Rudy about that as well. Mm. I've been looking into that. So I'm, I'm kind of keeping my options open. And like, you know, as, as I said earlier, and I feel like the primo also stated that at the point is, I'm just on the right. It's God's plan. I'm just on this this roller coaster, you know, and yeah. I take the SFOT and I take the LSAT, you know, and and God's going to put me like where he wants me to go. And right. that's that's kind of where I'm at right now, man. Oh, you know, uh, it's pretty awesome. Like, you know, keep your options open. Like when I got yeah. in the military, like, um, you know, it's time for me. I was like, yeah, I went from E1, E5 in three years. I lived two years under the ocean on the submarine. Driving a submarine three hours straight is not that fun, by the way. <laughs> After like, you know, the first time I was like, wow, this is so cool. This is awesome. I'm doing this by these, you know, various countries we're watching or various other summaries we're watching. And uh, after the first time, I'm like, oh, man, it's going to suck now. I mean, it doesn't suck, but after a while, I'm like, man, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I was like the, I was like the mission helm. So every time I we were on mission, like I was there no matter what. If it was like a drill, mm-hmm. like, no, we need like the best people of every sector, like best sonar, best fire technician, best whatever. Like, that, and I was the best driver. Which I should have been because that was like my job out to see. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's not like to my own horn being cocky, but like, no, it was expected for me to be in that position. Um, but anyway, I did that for what, for a few years. I was like, you know, time to move on. San Diego State has this, I don't want to say amazing program because of what I'm about to say next. <laughs> they have this program where they expect, they, if you're under like 24 in the military, you, you get a, uh, an immigration from your captain. And it's only in the Navy, though. And you can get at least a 2.0 in high school. And along, along with the recommendation letters from the captain, they'll set 10 service members from the Navy automatically into the program at San Diego State. Wow. Wow. And I got a selected. Wow. Nice. And they're like, hey, congratulations, Raul Rosique. Um, you're one of their top 10. You made it. Thank you. Uh, and all that stuff. All, a bunch of stuff. I was like, oh, man, awesome. Thank you. Can't wait. I separate in three months. I'll be there. I was looking for apartments. So that's what I did. I started looking at apartments until they open house on, on my you terminal leave. Yeah, I did everything. Yeah. I stopped applying to other schools because they verbally told me <laughs> I'm in. You're in there. Yeah. And there, this is like San Diego State. It's a well-oiled machine. Like, they should know this program in and out. Right. Yeah. I get there and they're like, hey, Roa, uh, turns out we can't let you in. What? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I... And I was going to almost no matter what, but like the main thing was I stopped applying to all these other schools. Yeah. And they said, yeah, so you actually, so because of all your sports in high school, you're in an extra amount of like um, physical training, like a lot of PE, a lot of weight training classes. So we had to remove all of those out. So that significantly dropped the GPA. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's not my fault. I was in my, I was in my curriculum because of all these, all these sports in high school. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. So go to me college, come back in two years. I was like, what? Like, what? So I was like, I was super pissed. I had to go back to my hometown, go to my local community college. Mm. On top of that, I broke my leg like three months later. I couldn't walk for like a year. Ooh. I was like, man, last year I was an E5 mission helm. I had so much respect on the submarine. I was yeah. the guy there. And now I'm just back in my hometown going to community college. Like, man, this is not the plan at all. <laughs> but you know what? I guess it's God's plan. Like, it worked out for me. I went there during my rehab. I saw a movie Express. Mm. If you guys haven't seen, you should watch it. It's about Ernie Davis. How uh, he went through like, you know, all his time here and leukemia and all that stuff. Yeah. And that really pumped me up. I was with my, with my dad. I was like, you know what, Dad? I think I'm gonna apply there. And I did. I got a lung I got in here, and I was like, and now I love it. Nice. So it's just kind of funny the way it, like just works out. Exactly. It like my original plan did not happen. This you're you're in a better spot. Yeah, but now I'm in better. Like Syracuse yeah. is a better school than San Diego State. Like, yeah. So like, look, it worked out for me. So it's just kind of funny. I guess I'm like none of our so far. I don't know about Ted yet, but like, yeah, none of uh, our plans have worked out. Exactly. Perfectly. Yeah. Exactly. Ted, I just want to see. Uh, what was your plan coming out? If it's kind of the same, altered. Oh gosh, you know, um, I don't think I'm going to try to follow those three stories. Um, but uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for sharing. You know your your experience and your resilience and uh, and your stories with us. Um, I will say in brief that um, the details of my own uh, story reflect your own. No, this was not the plan, generally mm. speaking. You know, um, I never saw myself here. What can I say briefly? It captures all the essential elements. Um, I never planned to make it out of the Rangers. Um, I, I didn't have a death wish, and um, I, uh, but but you know, I went in very clear-eyed about what the realities and the responsibilities and uh, the risks were. And I very much, whether this is everybody's approach or not, I don't know. But me personally, I just took it one day at a time, and I tried not to think about the future. Yeah. Uh, until all of a sudden one day, uh, maybe you guys know what I'm talking about. You just blink and all this time has gone by and you have to make a decision about what comes next. Yeah. yeah. And maybe you thought about it, maybe you haven't, but, um, whatever you, you know, whatever plans you might've had, uh, as we've seen from your shares, uh, life happens and the options that are actually available to you are very different from what you thought they were. But if there's, if there's one thing, whether I knew it or not at the time, that I did learn uh, in the army. It was that if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, just play to your strengths, find your tribe, and no matter what it costs you, put the team first and be deeply and totally committed to the success of those around you. And absolutely, well, that's great. Yeah, and, and so you know, I, 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 there, the. the the full story of exactly how I wound here obviously is much longer and there's a lot that happened and I was not perfect. I made a lot of mistakes and I have a lot of regrets, but, um, the things that did work out that I, uh, that I'm grateful for and, uh, that I think did follow directly from that approach of, you know, playing to your strengths, putting the team first and finding your people. Uh, I think that's ultimately what, uh, led me to become a father. That was not in the plan. It's mm -hmm. what led me to become an engineer. It was not in the plan. I was just trying to be of use. I had a general interest in math and science going all the way back to my childhood. 
And uh, one of my ranger buddies was a, uh, he'd spent a few years in mechanical engineering school and uh, he wound up leaving to join the military, but he said, you know, this is something that you could do where you could apply some of those skills and have pretty good job prospects and, you know, you can really make an impact. And so I thought, okay, engineering um, in general, fine, that, that might, that might be interesting. Uh, it's what led me to research because I had an interest in national security and specifically uh, in that context, uh, energy and renewable energy and how it fits into that, uh, you know, how that fits into the equation. And it's what ultimately led me to come back to academia and be a teacher because uh, you know, my fellow academics and my fellow teachers and the veteran community here at Syracuse, that is my tribe. And, uh, you know, creating value for society, but also training the next generation and mentoring and helping people come up and watching them succeed and spread their wings. Um, you know, that's where I fit in. And, you know, that, that, that is you know, the greater good for me. And, uh, when it comes to my strengths, you know, it took a long time to find them, but, um, uh, eventually life steered me that way. I've heard the term God's plan. I've shared in this room a couple of times and mm. that resonates with me. Um, just sort of learning to let go of the outcome and just trust that as long as you're always doing, as long as you're always doing what at the time, based on whatever information you have, what you really believe is right, then no matter what happens, even if it's not what you planned, and even if it's not pleasant always, ultimately you'll be where you're supposed to be. And that is the best that you can hope for. Well, that's well said, yeah. Phenomenal, yeah. Um, well, that sounds good. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, well, to move on to the next question. If you could briefly uh, explain, what does Veterans Day mean to you? And what do you think it means to the average American? That's a great question. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think that... I'll just, I'll just, I, I, I feel like this is a safe place. I, I hesitate to say this because I, I worry it'll be taken the wrong way, but I don't think it will. Um, in some ways, Veterans Day is just another day to me, um, personally. It's not that I don't think it's important. It's not that I'm not, it's not that I'm not grateful that we um, commemorate the service of veterans in a, in a national holiday and, and, and observe it in, in various ways. It's just that for me, um, you know, my connection with my military service, my identity as a veteran, that's, that's an everyday thing, right? And I, I'm probably preaching to the choir there. Um, it, it's, it's something, you know, I, st I still have this, this, this black carbon steel band around my arm and, uh, it, um, it doesn't have the name of the person who I lost uh, on it. It, I, it was given to me on my first day in my unit. Mm. Um, and it had, it has the names of two, two Rangers that came before me. And were killed in the deployment before I showed up, and it was uh, that that was part of my indoctrination is um, having that become my identity. If you are here to replace the person that came before you, mm. and that's what you have, what they did, that sacrifice they laid down, that's what you have to live up to, and you never get to take that off. That's part of who you are now, mm. and the Ranger Creed. Um, you know, uh, that's we we seek to practice those principles in all of our affairs forever it's, it's a life sentence being a veteran and being uh being a public servant um you know being a soldier a marine a, a warrior in general it, it, it is it is the calling that you have to honor in everything you do we're not perfect we're not saints, but you, you try you try to honor it in everything you do so to me veterans day is just just not really for me actually um people sometimes will thank me for my service but i don't feel like it's for me I feel like it's for everyone else who 
did not serve because they didn't have to. And I don't grudge them that. Mm. I actually, I celebrate that part, but we don't, as a society, we don't have to be a warrior society. We have to be a society that supports and honors its warriors and recognizes them as a integral part of a healthful and a secure and a functional nation uh, and and a community. And whatever that means to them, to answer the second part of their question, the short answer is, I don't know. And I try not to think about it. Um, It's not that I don't try to think. It's it's just that I never really have thought about it, I guess, until you prompted me. And I guess where I'm at right now with it, um, I don't, I, if, if you were to press me, if you were to really twist my arm and like, you know, force an answer out of me, what, what do you think the average American, whatever that means, uh, thinks of Veterans Day? How do you think they feel about it? I think that they see it as, you know, just another day that we set aside to honor some public servants. And if they meet a veteran, they're happy to shake your hand and say, Hey, thank you for your service. And they're happy to, take the day off and enjoy it. And some people, you know, some people are resent that, that um, there's a lot of barbecues and other things that don't seem to have a lot to do with, you know, veterans or their sacrifices. But to me, that's, that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it is that we, we shouldn't, I mean, society shouldn't have to be again, a warrior society. There should be a, there should in a perfect world, there should be none of us maybe, but since there has to be, some of us, I do believe that there should be as few as possible of us and the rest of us should gladly and with honor wear the weight and carry the scars that we do so that everybody else can laugh with their children and barbecue with their friends and make their beautiful music and create the value for society through their, through their family run businesses or just get up every day and go to their nine to five and just earn as much as they need to be comfortable and spend the rest of their time figuring out what they're doing on this earth and what their, their own calling is. And so to me, Veterans Day is just what it needs to be. It's, it's a chance for everybody to reflect just one day on what the military means to them. And some of them will take it as an opportunity to really, really lean into it and really, really commemorate and honor the service and the sacrifice of veterans. And some people will take it as a chance to rail against the uh, you know the perceived necessity for a for a warrior you know a, a warrior subclass and for an, a military industrial complex and they'll and you know they won't in our they won't do us a service you know individually they might even spit on us and say how dare you mm-hmm. you know we resent that you're even here you know what good good that's what a free society looks like I don't need you to thank me for what I did I don't need you to understand what I did. Because I know what I did. I know my reasons for doing it. And whether you know it or not, what you have is in part because of what I did. Mm. And what I have is in part because of what you did. I need that dissent. I need, I need all of it. You know, it takes all kinds to build a world. And so the short answer, I guess, I'm kind of rambling now. And uh, so I'll, I'll digress and let the others take it up. But yeah, Veterans Day is not for me. Um, and, uh, I, I do, it, it does prompt me. It, it, it often is a day of reflection, but, um, I, I hope that it's for everybody else. Wow. Oh, that was, that okay. Was, that yeah. was very well said. Man. Yeah. That was really deep. Right, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you. 
Uh, Matt, if you could briefly say what uh, Veterans Day means to you. and what. Yeah, I, I agree with some of your sentiment. Um, you know, before I get into that, though, I feel a lot of a lot of uh, your average civilian, whatever, again, average is different based on where you are, you know, what you're doing, who you're with, who you're around, whatever. So it's very, mm -hmm. it's a very mm -hmm. general, broad stroking. But um, I think a, a majority of people will confuse Memorial Day with Veterans Day or Veterans Day with Memorial Day. Yeah. And I think to me, the biggest, the biggest thing is, is, you know, don't thank, don't thank me on Memorial Day. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Don't, don't thank me for my service on Memorial Day. I, and like what you were saying, I don't need to be thanked any of the other days of the year either. I know what I did. I'm proud of what I did. Um, so to me, Veterans Day is much like another day. And as you said, to, to reflect, kind of look back at, and I, I'll often reach out to some of my veteran buddies. You know, some of the guys I was in OCS with, some of the people I deployed with, some of the people I was stationed with anywhere, you know, and just kind of see how they've been doing, just performing a buddy check. Right. And, and that's a big deal. The buddy check. Absolutely. Because it helps. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I look at Veterans Day as like a reminder on my phone, you know, you know, you have a, you have a meeting at one o'clock and the alarm goes off 10 minutes prior to, you know, get moving, you know, or to prepare for that meeting, whatever, call in zoom, whatever. Um, but for veterans day, when that notification comes up on my, on my phone or, or on my calendar, it's just like a reminder, like, Hey, reach out to your buddies, reach out to other people who have done the same thing as you or done more than you done. Less. It doesn't matter. Has worn that uniform, uh, in any variation and, and kind of to see how they've, how they've been getting along. Um, and to the population, you know, they like the, they like the day off from work. They like the barbecues, they enjoy their freedoms and the fact that they get that day off and they do go enjoy themselves on veterans day makes me happy because it's, it's like Ted said, you know, it wasn't in vain. My actions, you know, the things that I've done, the things that other people have done and what others will perform, um, it's for a purpose and it's to defend these people, to allow them to have their freedoms, defending their freedoms and their rights. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's generally how I would approach it. My oh. thought at least. Oh, that's amazing. The bite check and everything. You yeah. Said. Yeah. It's huge. Cliff. Oh man. Um, like what does veterans day mean, uh, to me? Um, like first off, you know, when it, when it comes to, to Veterans Day as a whole, I feel like there are so many people out there that have done so much more than I did mm. in the service. So it's like, it's like, how can I, you know what I mean? Like, how can I compare like my service to others? And like, I just like, it. I just feel like it's not for me. I feel like it's people that have done more than me. And, you know, what is, I think people, you guys have touched it on that. Like, what does Veterans Day mean? for like the, the the country as a whole like you know like just dealing with like the VA do, do you know what i mean like what is what is what does veterans day really mean for like the the country you know because you know 
having blown out my wrist, I've I've had to go to like to multiple, like sometimes three, four appointments a week. Mm. You know, and you know, this was out like in, in Dallas, you know, and you see the same homeless veteran mm. with duck is, you know, shoes duct tape every morning for a bag of apples. Mm. You know, like wow. like, you know, that, that kind of does something to you mentally, you know, like what is what is what is what 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 does America really think or what does the government really think about veterans and you, if you see that every day, you know? And like it just kinda it, it, it hurt my heart and it still it is still does, you know? Um and or like you let's say you go to the and I don't mean the vent here, but like I just I I pose these these questions to put it out there, you know? Yeah. And like you say you have an MRI appointment, you're waiting like like five hours after your appointment, you know, to get seen. And this is at a point in time. And everyone after you is told to get, you know, they get sent home. Mm. And some of them have waited, you know, like a month or so to get this MRI. So like, like what, what does it really, what, what is Veterans Day and what, what do veterans really mean for the country? And I'm, I'm going to finish it off at, with this. And like, this is what kind of really got me. Um, I stay on the north side of Syracuse over there by um, St. Joe's over there, and mm. it's it's kind of rough, you know, a lot of a lot yeah. of homeless, a lot of a lot of poverty up there. And I needed, I was moving in, and I needed to get my couch up the stairs. So I had this grand idea, you know, to you know pay someone like you know something like thirty bucks and help me like lift it up, you know, upstairs. So I saw this guy digging through the, you know, the dumpster, picking up cans. Yeah. Michael, yeah, this guy's definitely looking to make 30 bucks, you know? So, you know, he's like, yeah, I'll do it, you know? And he helps me get the the couch upstairs. You know, we start up a conversation, you know, like, yeah, man, what are you doing? He's like, yeah, I'm homeless on the streets right now. And I asked him what he was doing before. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm a student veteran at Syracuse. And he's like, oh, I'm a veteran too. Mm-hmm. You know, and at first I didn't believe it. And then he pulled out his VA card. Wow. And then, you, you know, you see him, you know, you got a Vietnam veteran, like, out there. They get up cans. Dude. Yeah, that's tough. Like. Yeah. I gave him all the money out of my pocket. Oh, how could you not? So, like, um, like I, I, don't, I really don't know what veterans say means. I, I, I don't. That's fair. Um, it's not for me, but like I said, there's other people out there and I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that guy. Sorry. Yeah, no, no beautifully uh, said. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, so coming into the final segment of this, um, uh, fantastic podcast, you guys all said fantastic things about various topics and I truly appreciate you guys coming here. So I like to end it with, um, asking all my guests their favorite quote, but I would go first. My favorite quote is. Be greater than your greatest obstacle, mm. which to me means like there's always gonna be a reason why you can't do something. But if you really want it that bad, be greater than that obstacle and overcome it. Whatever the case may be, whatever you have to do, just do it. Yeah. So Matt, go ahead. Yeah, I think um, as a as a musician by hobby, um, I hear a lot of profound things said, and uh, one that always struck me. It's always caught. Come with me everywhere I've been. You know, I've always thought about this. Whenever people ask me about quotes, this is usually the one I'll give, even though, you know, there's been some magnificent things said by so many other people. 
as well. Um, but Jimi Hendrix once said, when the power of love outweighs the love of power, the world will know peace. And whether you've had combat time, you don't have combat time, whether you served, you didn't serve, I think it's a general message that most people can respect in saying that, you know, the power of love is something that could be so much greater than any position you've ever held, is money that you've ever made, you know, land you've ever owned, whatever that might be. And and to the people who are married out there, to people who have, you know, a dog, a cat, kids who if you love something, right, you know what I'm talking about. And and to know and understand that feeling is to me so much greater than any amount of power or prestige that you might ever be able to obtain in your life. Wow. That's a great quote. Um, Ted, do you want to go next? Thank you. Sorry, my mute was on. Uh, Yeah. Uh, You know, you guys have uh, you guys have inspired me. Uh, I had a quote that I was going to share by Einstein because I, I had this cute idea that I was going to round off my contributions with something not you know at all related to the, my military experience and rather to, to my my new life as a you know academic and a scientist. Uh, but I'm calling an audible, and if you don't mind <laughs> me, if you don't mind me waxing a little bit corny, can I can I do a fictional quote? It's not a real person. It, it, it's from it, it, it's from yeah. a drama. Yeah, whatever, whatever okay. best represents you. All right, man. Like so, so you guys' stories are really incredible, and I want more of them. So uh, I wish I was there in person, but uh, we'll meet up at some time. Uh, what you guys have made me think about is, um, you know, the the HBO miniseries uh, Chernobyl. I think uh, I don't know who the That's audience is, but in case there's anyone who hasn't seen it, there's a scene where basically uh, some. Uh, plant workers who were never supposed to be putting their lives uh, at risk when they signed up for this job are being told you're going to like wade into radioactive water and it's probably going to kill you. Um, and we're going to pay you basically nothing for it. And, uh, and and we need volunteers. And they're like, why should we do this? And I don't remember the exact words, but um, I'll paraphrase. Um, uh, one of the characters in the show says, uh, you'll do it because no one else can you'll do it because it must be done wow. this is what always has set our people apart uh, this is what has always set our people apart a thousand years of sacrifice in our veins so now you do this because it must be done wow. you'll do it because if you don't millions will die and if you tell me that that's not good enough i don't believe you mm. wow wow that's really good. That's really good. Uh, Cliff, there's a lot to lead up with, but uh, yeah, follow on me. Follow, but it. I'm just gonna. It's part of the uh, the poem by uh, Robert Frost, mm. "Road Not uh, Taken." And I'm just gonna. It's the last uh, stanza. Um, I'm just gonna read it off, um, and it says, two roads diverged in a wood." And I took the one less traveled by, and it has made all the difference. Um, and I just feel like, just as a veteran and being a part of that, you know, veteran community, we are like the minute percent of the, the population that decided to serve and, and wear the uniform and to serve. And it's 
and it's made all the, the difference, like, in, in my life. Like, we've talked about this entire time. It's it's God's plan. And, mm. like, just just taking that road. I don't even know where this road's going. It's, it's not traveled upon. Like, it's I'm going through the weeds. I'm going through the jungle and the bushes. And, um, like, in, in the first part of the poem actually states... Um, I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages hence, like what happened. So I don't, I don't know where I'm going and that's maybe the beauty of the the journey. Um, but it's been awesome. And you, especially Ted, you're a deep guy, Matt, you're a, you're a smart (laughs) dude. Like it's, Judy, thanks for for bringing us here. And this was awesome, guys. Yeah. Um, that's a fantastic quote. It's a fantastic poem. Um, but I truly appreciate all three of you guys taking time out of your busy schedules, busy days, and uh, come together and talk about your journeys, your past, how you got here, and then Veterans Day and what it means. Because I feel a lot of students, like, they say a lot of things, a lot of barbecues, a lot of stuff, but, like, sometimes I feel like they never ask us what we think about it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a cool clarification of, like, us from the veterans' point of view, what do we think about this day? Like, you know, quote-unquote, our day. Right. So I truly appreciate all three of you guys spending time with us. We appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for your service to this community, Raul. Thanks for taking the initiative and bringing all this together. It's uh, yeah, it's it's something really special that you're doing here. I get that now. Thank you. Appreciate the kind of words and uh, have a fantastic day.